So what does God want us to do with this? What, what do you think he would have us see from all of this? I mean, just a few brief things to notice. First, Jesus is in control. Jesus takes the initiative with Judas. He leads the way to the Mount of Olives. When, when his friends are falling apart, Jesus is self-controlled and alert and disciplined and focused. Jesus is not taken. He hands himself over. He's in control of himself. And more than that, he's in control of the circumstances around him. Jesus directs the outcome of unjust trials. He's hanging on a cross. And he's in control of the eternal destiny of men being crucified on either side of him. Jesus moves purposefully towards the completion of his eternal mission. And Jesus uses his control for us. And when we get power, we tend to use it for ourselves, for our own comfort, our own convenience, our own advancement, but not Jesus. We need a leader who is in control of himself and in control of everything going on around us. We need a king who rules for our ultimate good. Jesus is in control of everything that's happened here. And Jesus is innocent. And he stands out because of his shining innocence in contrast to the ways that he's treated. And he's led before unjust trials, before the Sanhedrin, and then Pilate, and then Herod, and then, and then back to Pilate again. And Pilate says, I find no guilt in this man. The man dying next to Jesus says, we are receiving the due penalty for our sins. This man has done nothing wrong. Jesus is not just innocent. He is perfect. He is the righteous one. He stands out from everyone else who has ever lived. In contrast to Jesus, he shines out from all of the rest of humanity with blazing purity and holiness. I mean, a, a newborn baby next to Jesus, we see now as a, as a mess of snarling selfishness. The greatest humanitarian, in contrast, is a, a mass of self-interest. And our grasping, selfish, dark-hearted, shameful sin only illuminates Jesus' perfect righteousness. Jesus is innocent and perfect, and in that he trusts his Father. In the most horrific trial ever faced by any human being, Jesus trusts God. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. This innocent man trusts God even as he takes on himself a judgment that he does not deserve. Have you ever thought that we don't just need someone to trust, but we need someone to trust God for us? Our money says, in God we trust, but we don't. My problem is not simply that I am not trustworthy, it's that I'm incapable of trusting God as he deserves and as I ought to. 
But Jesus is the one who is both completely trustworthy and the one who trusts God in the face of my doubts. You know, there's a cast of thousands all behind all these scenes we've heard of Jesus' betrayal and death. Peter lies to protect himself. Pilate is motivated by political self-protection and self-interest. King Herod wants a magic show. The, The criminal next to Jesus wants to come down off the cross and yells abuse at him, and the soldiers want extra cash for his clothing. People are acting selfishly all around him. Not everyone's self-centered, though. Some people are just oblivious. I mean, there's, there's things we didn't even have time to get into tonight. Simon of Cyrene, this bystander, is platooned into carrying Jesus' cross, and, and he never appears in the Bible again. He just is there, and all of a sudden, he doesn't know what's going on, and he's in the middle of all these events, and, and the crowd is cheering out, some saddened, some laughing at him, most of them not even understanding the significance of what's happening here. And there are evil people, too. I mean, the religious leaders refuse to hear the truth and condemn an innocent man. People beat him and mock him, and Jesus takes the place of a murderer. The gospel writers show us weak people and selfish people and clueless people and evil people because Jesus does not come to die for nice, kind, lovable, good people. He takes the place of overwrought, half-hearted disciples and scheming leaders and spineless rulers and brutal soldiers and guilty criminals and the oblivious crowd so that all could be forgiven, if they will. We're the reason that Jesus is dying. Jesus dies for people like us, to save people like us, to save us. It's obvious that people really don't get who Jesus is. Again, in another section that maybe many of us know we didn't read tonight, instead of Jesus being kissed in worship, he's kissed in betrayal. The ultimate prophet is mockingly told to prophesy for the amusement of the crowd. The king of the universe has a sign taunting him over his head, king of the Jews. But then he is recognized. He is seen for who he is ultimately. The creation recognizes who Jesus is. In the middle of the day, everything goes dark. The earth trembles. The the veil of the temple is torn in two and graves open. The creation recognizes its creator. And unlikely people recognize him. You know, we heard a little bit about Barabbas, a man who was guilty of murder in the insurrection. He was a traitor. They they weren't crucifying just, you know, common thieves. These were rebels and terrorists. And a terrorist hanging next to Jesus says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He sees Jesus' innocence. He he sees his own sin. He, He gets it. A Gentile soldier recognizes him. Surely this man was the son of God. God invites us to stand with these messed up, broken, confused, selfish, oblivious, 
sinful people and recognize Jesus. See and savor Jesus for who he is. Acknowledge Jesus as the Lord of the universe and the one to whom we owe everything. Stand in awe before Jesus, the innocent one, the sinless, righteous one who takes the judgment, the death that we deserve. This is the center of history. This is the heart of the gospel that God dies in our place. Paul writes in his letter to the Romans, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Don't miss that. Let that sink into your heart so that the joy of Easter would be all the more joyful as we recognize what it cost for Jesus to win the victory for us. Let me pray for us. Father God, we acknowledge that we have all sinned and we go on falling short of your glory. If we say we are without sin, we deceive ourselves and make you to be a liar. We have brought all the consequences of sin in this world, the pain, the suffering, the hurt, the injustice, the brokenness. We have hurt others. We have sinned against you and what we have done and what we have left undone. As you thirsted on the cross, Jesus, help us to thirst for your righteousness and for more of you in our lives. Help us, Lord, to be willing to enter into the pain of those around us to offer comfort and hope. Give us not just our daily bread, but your kingdom in our lives to save us, to transform us so that, so that you would use us to bring life and transformation to others. Thank you. That Jesus' work on the cross is complete and our sins are paid in full. Thank you that your kingdom is now available to us. And that we can begin to live in it even now. Thank you that there is nothing for us to earn or deserve. You have done it all. Help us not to take it for granted, Lord. And help us like Jesus to commit ourselves into your hands. We know that only in you can we find wholeness, salvation, meaning, and purpose. May the reminder of our sin and the greater love and grace of Jesus prime our hearts for the joy, the resurrection joy and victory of Easter. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we go in God's blessing? Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments, his paths beyond tracing out. 
For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, who has given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Go in the name of Christ.